programmatic. The third-party cookies. But understand the moments and emotions of those users. Shopping each other to be our best. Favor the AVOD services. Increase transparency. And maintain the audiences that they've worked so hard to create. This episode of The Programmatic Life is brought to you by the Women in Programmatic Network. The Women in Programmatic Network is there to support incredible women in the digital advertising industry. This is a free network for any level of experience to join. Whether you've just started out your career or you're the CEO of a company, whether you don't know the difference between your DSPs and your SSPs, or you're an industry expert within the programmatic realm. The goal of the network is to make the industry a better place for women. We run industry-wide studies, provide tickets to events, opportunities to speak on panels, and run inspiring networking sessions. To find out more and become part of an extraordinary network, go to www.thewomeninprogrammaticnetwork.com. Audiences that they worked so hard to create. Hey, I'm Karen. And I'm Amina. I'm head of advertiser partnerships for Northern Europe at Xander. I've been in the industry for a little while, working across both the buy side and the supply side of the ecosystem. I'm a big fan of the industry. I love how fast paced it is, and we're going to hit on some of the topics in this podcast. I'm a director of solutions consulting at Xander, uh, with numerous years of experience in the industry, both here and in technology in general. Uh, my role in the industry is really how to make things work from a technical perspective and bringing solutions and answers to our clients. Welcome to The Programmatic Life, the podcast that meets the talent behind the ad tech. And talent is the right word because we have got a jam-packed guest list of, uh, of friends from the industry who are coming coming on the podcast. We've got people from the agency side, people from brands, uh, and and it's colleagues. And it's not just amazing colleagues and guests we've got. We've got some an amazing lineup of topics. So we will be talking about things like diversity in digital, navigating ad tech's trade shows, figuring out all of the jargon within the industry and what it all means. It's going to be a jam-packed series. Cool. And we'll also be playing Room 101. What's that? So Room 101 is a continuation of something we landed at an industry event earlier this year. And it allows our guests to have 60 seconds to consign something they don't like about the industry into Room 101 and bin it forever, essentially. So have a little bit of fun with our guests in that. But uh, but some hard-hitting topics and a, a really hard-hitting one to start in Episode 1. Yes, today's episode is about demanding diversity in digital. Awesome. So demanding diversity, what does that, what does that mean to you? Um, two South Asians in this room, we both have different experiences of what it means to be a diverse person in the industry. Um, I think it's about really understanding people as individuals and really making sure that we cater to each individual. Yeah, and I, I think we recorded this episode earlier in the year uh, and we had uh, Demi Abiola in the in the room from uh, M6, business director at M6, but also a fellow mentor in the Media for All group that I'm part of. And and when we recorded the episode, the Media for All report had just come out mm-hmm. and it's quite hard hitting with some of the findings. What was your, what was your kind of key takeaways from that report? Um, the report really talks about the perception gap. So the idea that, you know, that, you know, some people think we're doing better than others. And um, the fact that depending on who you are and, um, you know, where you're from, you might feel differently about the industry and how you can progress and how you're perceived. And I think that's really important and impactful and something that we should definitely be looking to address. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that perception gap is really important because where we think we've made strides and are doing better than than we are as an industry actually the reality might not be at the same place and actually just bringing that to the surface asking questions of, of the people who it affect 
can really help us as an industry focus in and hone in on the points that are really that are really important. So that was a really really interesting part part for me. So I think I think this is uh, you know this one made for a, a brilliant episode. So Mina, I've got my fellow Media for All uh, member. Who we have is uh, media superstar and uh, investment business director at M6, uh, Demi Aviola. Welcome. I thought, I, was going Welcome. To have a bit more, I thought I was going to have a bit more grander uh, introduction well, there, Karen. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. We need, well, that's it. And I wanted the sound effects button, but it was, uh, it's missing from the table. Uh, no, listen, thank you so much for inviting me onto, onto this um, podcast. I hope we can get into some, um, some meaty conversation. Yeah, for sure. So what's, what was your initial thinking on the, the report, obviously, that, that's come out? I think you really you really summed up perception versus what's actually being done. Um, I think you know the industry is really you know let's look let's take a step back let's let's where have we come from? So this week is obviously the anniversary of George Floyd's death. Twenty fifth of May, twenty twenty was when was when unfortunately he was he was um, killed. Um, you know, in that time, there's been such a well, there was such a visceral reaction from. Uh, not just the world, but obviously, you know, the the, the birth of Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. but also most importantly, what it gave to, I think, people of colour. You know, it, g- it gave people an opportunity to talk about the experiences that they've had, both positive and, and negative. And I know, for, personally, for me as a black person, you know, I started talking to black people like, you know, like, have you experienced that as well? You know, what 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 do you think? And it gave people an opportunity to really talk about what had been affecting them over, over, you know, over a period of time. Because I think sometimes, and I know maybe this is perhaps a strong word to use, but trauma, right, mm-hmm. is something that you know it can be it can be buried deep uh, down, but you know, buried deep down in, in you. But I think you know it has been traumatic for a lot of people, you know, in terms of their experiences, work experience, with mm-hmm. personal and work over, over the years. So. You know, we've come from an industry, um, we've come out of that where, you know, my God, it's like, what are we doing about, you know, black and ethnic minorities? You know, it's almost like a light bulb moment. Um, People were saying that we need to be doing more. What do we need to be doing and how do we need to be doing it? So from that perspective, I think it's been really, um, it's been really good to see positive change. You know, you know, difficult conversations, organisations have been having, um, but obviously, there's a, a will to be able to do to do more, and I think when you look at the, I mean, it was a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks after George Floyd, it was a big, big advert, big advertisement and campaign. Adland commits. You've got loads of advertising agencies and production agencies and media agencies like you know we are, you know we we are committed to uh, to change and and I remember saying to myself at the time, I was like, you know, let's 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 talk in a year's time. Let's talk in two years' time yeah. to see actually what is, you know, the perception they talk about, to, the perception versus the reality. And I think, obviously, it is two, there are probably two different things at the moment. Yeah, I think so. One of the things you said was interesting was, like, this this concept of trauma, but it's like a shared trauma that gets normalised. Mm. Uh, I think, like, when I talk to my friends about, like, growing up, stuff that was normal to us is just not normal elsewhere. And even yeah. in the workplace, you kind of carry that through. Um, and it, and it's interesting to have that community feel where you have that kind of shared experience and you talk around kind of like when that came out is very acute right it happened and, and there was a lot of like bandwagging wagoning from like advertisers and, and companies and do you think we've seen like any kind of progress and we've seen marginal progress like well, where do you think we're at now in terms of like the actual action versus the talk 
Well, I think, I mean, thank goodness there's no more black squares being posted on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's probably the, the first thing I would say because again, you know, when you talk about completely misreading the room, right? Um, posting a black square on Instagram is not a message of support for those people yeah. who, who who have been oppressed or people of color. So, um, and I think obviously brands, and it's amazing how obviously we work in the media, marketing, and communications industry, how people can get it so everything wrong, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think obviously brands are learning that there is a journey and it is a process. It's not something obviously that, 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 not something that can be fixed overnight, but, but, and also similarly with their thinking as well, that is constantly evolving. Anyway, going back to your point about, you know, what, what do we think is doing? I think there's been a real emphasis in terms of, um, from a recruitment perspective, actively making sure that we're trying to hire people from diverse backgrounds. I think you can see that in terms of the the policies that a number of organisations have, have have implemented, and how they've gone about things. I think um, there's been good responsible leadership from uh, senior leaders within the business about how to drive that particular change from that perspective. So I think I know personally I've seen that um, in my old organisation where I used to where I used to work. Um, you know I saw that personally senior leaders leaders senior leadership really being involved in terms of how they. Uh, how we recruit, and in, indeed, at my, in my current place at the moment, um, it's a really, really active part of of, of what they're trying to do. So, recruitment wise, yes, and I would say also awareness, because you know the word D, you know the word D and I. When people when people think of the word diversity, it's like oh, some people are like, oh again diversity, oh again right. Well, look, this you know it's here to stay, right? And I think um, more and more now it's woven into the conversations that we're having on a day-to-day basis. It's not something, you know, one day of the week, let's talk about diversity, or, oh, it's a box-ticking exercise or whatever it may be. It's now, I think now, it's a conscious part of people's psyche, you know, when you know when they go to work and what they do. So I think from that perspective, it's, it's definitely changed. Um, I think what's been quite interesting for me is, again, talking about Adland. I know um, the Advertising Association did their um, all-in Mm-hmm. Uh, consensus survey, which was actually again similar to me, for it's a bit of a you know okay, well, well, what's actually going on in the industry? And I know out of that, obviously, you had the um, the, the Black Marketing uh, the Brim Initiative that was launched, which obviously again gave a framework to those people within the industry to talk about you know how do we you know how do we get more um, black people behind the camera or what, what's the process and structure? And actually, it was it was a literally a framework which mm-hmm. helped people be able to navigate that particular area. So if George Floyd doesn't happen two years ago, I don't think that happens. Or the, pro- the or the scale and progress of change isn't the same. So there's definitely been some, uh, definitely some progress, I would say. So you talked about the recruiting process and the fact yeah. that we're bringing in more junior people of uh, minority backgrounds, which is yeah. great progress. Um, what happens when you've been in the industry, you know, four or five years time and you're sort of trying to break through the ranks and move further up um, the ranks, so to speak? That glass ceiling still seems to exist. How do you break through it? I think it's a, I think it's, it's a really difficult one because I think, the, I think the only way, I mean, there's a talent shortage in our industry mm-hmm. anyway. That's the, first, that's, the, that's the first thing. So I think I think it comes down to basically making sure that there are senior black people in positions of power in these organisations. I think that's the only way you really, because you think to yourself, you know, if you're a person of colour, you know, moving up a particular organisation and you don't see anyone at, at, at SLT level or C-suite level, 
you know, you're thinking, you know, is this for me? Yeah. Yeah. Is this is this for me? Is this something? Is this a, is this a career that or, or an organisation that I want to want to be a part of? So I think that is really really important because there are people in the industry who are obviously more than capable of doing it. They're just also you mentioned glass ceiling. The opportunities that haven't necessarily been been afforded to them. Um, so I think that is that is a really key thing. You're making sure that you can retain that senior senior talent within the industry because otherwise it, it it does have a knock on effect in terms is it, of is the it industry. enough though because that. For me, like the one that people point to is like the Karen Blackets of this world, and like you have like someone who's very senior as like a figurehead. It's almost like a bit of tokenism there in that like that's not enough. It needs to bleed through the organisation. So when we talk about senior management, it can't just be like the one visible person. It needs to be through the the kind of middle to senior management bringing people through because that's where you look up immediately, right? If you're I don't know a programmatic exec starting mm. in the industry. You're not immediately looking at that level. You're looking at the two levels up, and if you're yeah. not seeing people that look like you in that, or on panels, or representing the company in, in different things, so so it's an achievable short midterm gain. I don't think it's good enough because you're not gonna. It, you, there's not gonna be the belief yeah. that you're gonna I get. I mean, Karen Blackett. I mean, Karen Blackett. I mean, she she she's seen as almost a totem pole in our, in our industry. She's she's a a black mother running the biggest media agency um, in the world. Yeah. Um, and obviously, she—I I know she's obviously a, a, an amazing spokesman in terms of um, sort of the, the amazing good that can happen within, within this industry. Um, you know, similarly again, Dominic Carter, you know, at, at News UK, you know, very, very, very senior. Then obviously, is a, a black person. Um, there, are no, there are no easy answers to this. Um, I often think that you should just make it KPI, KPI people mm-hmm. as part of their jobs. Senior leaders, KP, KPI them all. So look, if you don't deliver this, right, maybe you don't get the bonus or whatever, or whatever it may be. But make it part of make it part of people's day to day. Because if you start making sure, if you start doing that, then actually people get actively involved in terms yeah. of recruitment and other yeah. bits and pieces in terms of organisations. Yeah, that's um, an interesting point, actually. Well, I think you know the key word here is being an active ally. ally. Mm-hmm. I haven't said that word, active ally, 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 uh, an active ally, because I think it's not good enough to basically sit on the sidelines, you know, because a lot of people have been doing that for a long time. Yeah. They've been sitting on the sidelines and they haven't been actively involved in terms of in terms of uh, progressing uh, people from minority backgrounds. So, you know, I can understand why your why your boss has a because you know if you're not part of the problem, you're part you're part of this. You're not, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. I think you know? um, one of the things that I've always struggled with. I know when I first came in the, into the industry, there were various groups that you could join. So uh, various, um, you know, and the report even talks about this: the communities that you can join, etc., yeah. etc. Et one of the battles that I had internally was I could join all of these groups. But then I've also then got to do my day job on top of it. And it just feels like additional work to be able to, you know, meet that bar that everybody else seems to yeah. easily be there. Um, like, what are your thoughts in terms of that additional work to feel like you're part of the community, feel like you belong? Being a person of colour is hard. There's no, there's no, there's no, we can't sugarcoat this. Mm. As a black man, it's, it's hard being a black man, right? It is, Right. It's not easy. I'm nodding, but I don't know. Like, I, I, I assume it is. I'm telling it is. you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. But all person colour, because, you know, you're right. Sometimes you have to go that extra mile. Yeah. You have to do that extra thing. It's, you know, it's something you're constantly aware of all the time, you know. 
Um, you know, I talk about uh, white privilege, actually. We, we, we were talking about white privilege with a friend of mine the other day and obviously trying to get to understand what the term is and why, you know, it's like, well, I'm not privileged, so it's not about that. It's about having awareness of the fact mm -hmm. that the colour of your skin doesn't impact upon your day-to-day -day life, right? Yeah. You know, I give a... I give a there's a, an example I give where sometimes I live in West London, Labrick Grove, right? Oh, yes. West, up there, there. West, yeah. West, West, West yeah. Is, We're all from West London. West, Look at West, that. There's no West, diversity on this West, podcast. West, 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 West. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some, got some fans in the, in, the, in the booth over there. Um, and, you know, sometimes when I come out of Labrick Grove Station at night, uh, if I see that, if I see there's a woman in front of me walking, uh, walking in front of me, I will actually cross the road rather than walk behind her. And I used to think that was normal behaviour mm -hmm. because I wouldn't, I wouldn't want her to feel that um, there was a black man behind her, and she would feel threatened. And I used to think that was normal behaviour, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's only till I was talking to so one of my other friends about it that he, you know, he had some, in, uh, uh, you know, some empathy before that, and, and actually, it shouldn't actually matter whether you're black or white. Actually, it's probably being a, a male. Actually. Yeah. Um, but going back to your question about that, it is it is difficult. It is hard. Um, I think sometimes you know you just sometimes you've got to shoulder that burden. I know it's not easy, but having organisations like MIFA, right, help help lighten that yeah. load. And I know you, having a forum where you can discuss openly in a safe space things mm -hmm. that perhaps you wouldn't you know you wouldn't you know you wouldn't be able to discuss at work or whatever. You know, you know, make it a fantastic organisation. Yeah. The work that Noren and everyone there uh, has been doing has been great. It's, it's interesting. Like I think one of the things around like, being self, having to be self-aware as a as a minority is quite an interesting thing. Like mm -hmm. I think one thing that I have seen progress in is 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 being able to be a little bit more authentic. I had a hilarious conversation with one of my best mates, and he works at a bank where there's, there's even less diversity. And he was talking about like they were having a conversation with with them, and like, it was about their like favorite song. I think they were doing some event, and they ought to bring like a track in. And he had to like change. He, I know what music he likes, <laughs> but he had to change it. And I understood exactly what he meant by that. Like I've, yeah. I've done the same thing to just to kind of try and make myself be less of an outlier. So that's an interesting bit. But to move to move this kind of podcast on a little bit mm. to to kind of get more towards like our day to day and, and how it works. Mm. What's what's going on with it in, from an advertising perspective? Like who's got it right in your opinion from a creative perspective, and who's maybe not got it right? in terms of actually becoming more inclusive with their, their advertising? Big question, I know. I'm definitely not answering that one. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not asking the <laughs> past clients, future clients. Um, sorry, Who's I'm got not, it right? I, what's I, I, a, what's I, a creative you've seen and you've been like, that That comes across, I like that. Do you know what's actually really, um, do you know what actually does it really well? I would say one of my old clients, McCain, right? I thought, I think, just from a just from a complete D&I perspective in terms of having disabled people, Mm -hmm. Having black people on on in some, on some of their ads, they they've really uh, they had a, um, a gay couple as well. I think I believe it was, um, you know. So you look at that and like God, that is that is really representative of um, of society, mm -hmm. and that's what that's what you want. You want you want your media. You want your you want the agency you work at. You want you know the the, the, the papers that you buy to be representative of the content. That that that's reflective of this of, of the people of this world. Yeah, well, people sure. of people well, people of London town maybe, but um, <laughs> people of this world. Um, so you know, just just in terms of what springs to mind, yeah, um, uh, McCain springs to mind. Obviously, you can look at uh, again one of my old clients, Sainsbury's, um, and actually some of the fraud that happened. Obviously, when you had a black couple in the, in the, on the Christmas ad, mm -hmm. that was quite interesting. 
Um, but, you know, so anything like, you know, I'm sure it'd be difficult for me to, 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 do, to do a list of um, clients, but you can see it more and more now, actually. You know, you can see, you can see a more diverse range of, of people um, when you watch advertising. Right? If you had to give, and we won't name any advertisers, <laughs> but if you had to give your clients a piece of advice on how you fit diversity into media plans, what would that piece of advice be? I think the key thing is just authenticity, right? And I think, you know, again, going back to this word diversity, that diversity is such a, an amazing, powerful thing, right? Being Having diverse opinions, having diverse people within an organisation can only help drive further creativity. We're in the creative business, right? And if we're being more creative and our customers like it, then actually... You know, from a profitability perspective, actually works well, right? So actually, it's a win-win across the board. And I think sometimes when 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 you just move away from the whole thing about diversity and actually, what are the, you know, it's almost like doing a cost-benefit analysis. Uh, well, this is good for you. This is good for your business, right? And I think the more businesses understand that actually, it's a benefit rather than a hindrance, um, or hindrance is the wrong word to use, more of, oh, we're just ticking a box, mm-hmm. that actually this should be part of your business strategy because ultimately in the long term it will reap, uh, reap rewards. Yeah. I, this thing I say all the time is that if it's a uh, in the appendix or an addendum to your media plan, it's not, it's not worth doing. It has yeah. to be at the heart of what you're doing. And to your point, it makes perfect business sense to do it because as an advertiser, what your goal is to build meaningful relationships with your consumers mm-hmm. I read that like 40% of consumers or somewhere around that now buy brands based on where they stand in terms of like aligning with their kind of views and morals. So that's an interesting piece. So Demi, as our guest, uh, you're going to have 60 seconds uh, to talk through something that annoys you about the industry and consign it to Room 101 and History Forever. God, you're giving me all the real tough ones, aren't you? Um... Room 101, I keep thinking of Big Brother every time. 1984, George Orwell. Um, room 101, I would say, let, what about the word BAME? What about the That's word? Yeah. What about the word BAME? Because it is, it is a word that literally groups all different nationalities and minority groups into one subsection when actually we know that they all experience different types of discrimination. And have their own different challenges, and I think, you know, when we when we use the word "bame," and, I, and obviously it's it's a word that obviously a lot of people like myself don't really like because, as I said, you know, we're all from different nationalities in this particular room, and obviously we have all have different experiences in terms of the way we view our world. So, why does society try and put us into one small little subsection? Um, that's my. That's my pet pet, pet, pet peeve. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to struggle to play devil's advocate on that one. I'm not a fan of BAME, especially within advertising, because if you think from an advertising context, if you're grouping people by that, I mean, it's almost as bad as ABC One. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I hate that. ABC One. All adults. How many were talking? All adults. ABC One. I'm yeah. like, oh, God. It's brilliant. Uh, the worst I mean, one I saw was ABC One Key Workers the other day on a campaign. Like Someone told me about that, and I was just like, you're really struggling if that's your uh, shocker, mate. That you're trying to do, but shocker. you know it's happening. So yeah, BAME I think goes into Room 101. I think there's, there's, a, there's a jingle there or something. There must be a sound effect button. Jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> something is it's going into Room 101. So I think uh, I think it definitely goes in. Um, 
we are running out of time oh, so fast. This is a good. So we need to, this is a good. We've only just mean, scratched the surface. We only just started, haven't we? Yeah, but we need to get. Can we do part two. Can we do part two? We probably can. If, <laughs> as long as it, my, you know, this is season one. Um, so if this goes well, we don't get cancelled. Well, this could be it. This subscribe, be subscribe, yeah. subscribe, guys. That's it. Subscribe. Um, get this to your followers. Click, click on the link. Stats. Right. We've subscribe. Got followers. Right. Right. We should be doing it. So. That's what we've got to do. Subscribe, please, guys. So I really enjoyed that. Demi, Demi is brilliant, obviously, and uh, we could have gone on for hours about that topic. It's so broad. Uh, but what were the most interesting bits or the most hard-hitting for you? Yeah, Demi was a great guest. I think um, when he spoke about George Floyd, I found that really powerful and, and impactful. I'm so glad he shared that with us, and um, it, it just really struck a chord with me. Yeah, likewise. I thought that was really cool in terms of like how it affects our, our industry and kind of just exploring that a bit. Uh, the other bit was around kind of like navigating our industry as, mm-hmm. a, as a minority and how you progress and, and the role models that exist. So so that was definitely an interesting uh, interesting thing for me. Yeah. So tell us, what are we doing next week? So next week, we're bringing the focus right back onto advertising. So the beers, wines and spirits category has always been synonymous with great advertising and really kind of selling the lifestyle and bring it back to the, the creative. Uh, so really delighted to have Ross Sargent, who's head of media and touch points at Asahi. Uh, joining the uh, joining the podcast next week so super excited for that amazing so join us next episode for the programmatic life